and you said the word simple, and that's, in, that's a very purposeful word that's in the subtitle of our book. It's a simple truth. And, you know, one of the things that Gary and I absolutely see eye to eye is we want our books to make a difference. And a lot of books you read, you're like, wow, that was so interesting. What do I do with it now? And it's a paradigm-shifting book. It makes you see the world differently, but it doesn't tell you what to do. And so one of the fundamental things, I mean, Gary said this a long time ago, people are attracted to complicated, but they can't live in it for very long. So we put, took a philosophy and tried to apply it there. So we want to keep it simple because people can do simple and people can stick with simple. But if it's really complicated, it falls apart. What is going on? Ryan Caligiuri here. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast. If you guys are on social media, give me a follow. I'm on LinkedIn. Just look me up on LinkedIn. There's not too many Ryan Caligiuri's out there. Follow Cut the Crap Podcast on Facebook. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, Ryan Caligiuri. Or if you guys just feel like emailing me, throw me an email as well too. But definitely follow me on social media and you guys get all the updates from Cut the Crap Podcast. All right. Today we got the interview with Jay Papazan, the author of The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. If you guys haven't listened to uh, the episode on The One Thing, definitely give that a listen first and then uh, listen to the interview. But uh, if you've already listened, then let's crack right into this one. Today we're here with Jay Papasan. Jay, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. So Jay, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Um, you know, for me, I read The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. And absolutely love the book and um you know as part of cut the crap podcast we always want to bring the author on and we want to hear from the author's own perspective a little bit about the book but before we get into the book let's learn a little bit about you like tell us about you like who's jay papasan you know i think i started trying to write books when i was about 12 years old i definitely have always had my head between the pages worked in bookstores um got an English degree, went on, got a master's in English, worked in publishing, you name it. But it took me until I was joined Keller Williams. I was actually relocating from New York and bumped into a guy named Keller Williams, um, Gary Keller, rather, that I kind of flipped over to the other side. I, instead of being an editor or a bookseller, he was thinking about writing a book, and so we partnered up. So my identity in terms of professional is like I always think of myself as an author and a writer, um, and I think that was buried for a while as I was out there and doing other publishing work. But that's been for the last 16 years. I've been partnered up with Gary. We've written about 10 books, um, most of them bestsellers. And that's just been a great fun ride for me. No kidding. Right on. Definitely a lot of fun, I can imagine. So what led you guys to create the one thing? Like what experience or what problem, what challenge did you see in the world that you said, you know what, Gary, we got to create this book? You know, it's a, it's a funny story. You know, Gary Keller founded what's now the, the largest real estate company in the world. So our first audience before we wrote this book was always, you know, real estate professionals, people building businesses in real estate. And that's a crazy, hectic business. And, you know, we're looking at that. And Gary had written an essay for a course called The Power of One. And it just resonated on a lot of levels. And we've been asking our question, we want to go to general business out of real estate. And this book felt like it. And I'll say that the timing, I think, found us. I think we're living in a time with technology, the speed of change, the world is flat. You've heard all of the little trite sayings, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them are very true, especially business people, but pretty much everyone. We have so much that we feel like we can do or we have to do. 
And a lot of people are walking around with this tremendous sense of being overwhelmed and stressed out. Stressed out even about the good stuff. Um, there's just a lot going on, and the book represents a better way to make choices about how we invest our time. And we felt like it was the right time, and we could have, you know, could have made it about simplicity. We could have made it about peace of mind or clarity about where you want to go, because it does a lot of those things. But for us, if you're using your time the best, it's about productivity. And that's really kind of the book is about helping people be more productive with their time. And we felt like it was a good time to put it out there. I love that. I love that. And I think a lot of our audience, you know, they experience a lot of success. And, you know, the other side, they experience a lot of failures. And so there's just a lot on their plate. And I was talking to a few folks uh, earlier when we were talking about time management. And they were saying that, you know, one of the biggest things, one of the, the toughest things they deal with is when they have success, they have contracts, they win contracts with new clients and what have you. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge is then prioritizing all of it. And they say, yeah, we finally won all these contracts, you know, revenue coming in. And then it's just, <laughs> oh my God, now what do we do? You know, and that's, the, that's a huge challenge. So for those people who are listening right now who have so much on their plates, um, you know, number one, read the book. Number two, um, what kind of advice can you give them? Like we, we look at core golden nuggets from the book. Give us, you know, one, two or three strong takeaways that can definitely help somebody who might be having a tough time managing uh, all the work that's on their plate right now. Well, I mean, I just, I laughed, you know, silently to myself when you described how success can become, you know, the path to our own undoing. <laughs> it's so true. You know, you work so hard to get the business and while you're building it, you're disciplined, you're focused in your time and, it allows you to get so much done. And then all these distractions show up. You have to meet with clients. You have to service clients. And you lose track of who you were to become what was appealing to them. And I've seen this play out in sports. I've seen it play out in all kinds of levels. So it's just a great truth. Um, To answer your specific question, rather than just acknowledge what you said, I think if we were to hone in maybe on three big ideas in the book that would help that group of people, um, one of the first chapters in the book is – everything matters equally is a lie. And we talked about if you're going to get one thing done and do something big, you have to kind of get some of these other things out of the way. And this was the very first one. And so we looked up and most people have these long to-do lists. Their, their days are chopped up into 15-minute blocks and they just don't know how they're going to get it all done. And they might come home in a lather but feel like they didn't get much significant done. And the battle here is really Pareto's principle. And I'm sure your audience is familiar with it. Absolutely. The majority of what we want comes from the minority of what we do. And we really hit that pretty hard. We dug into the story, where it came from, the person who popularized it, and tried to reintroduce it in a different way for people. And I guess as a practical application, I would encourage those people who have these long to-do lists and they're facing all of this stuff just to do like a three to five minute exercise in the morning. Look at your to-do list, and of all the things that you could do, circle the handful that you really should be doing. And I think the trap we fall into when we're that busy is instead of doing those should-dos, we're doing the stuff we can do the fastest just to make the list shorter, right? Mm -hmm. We just want to make it shorter for psychic relief. So you start by identifying the things that matter, and then we want you to put them in priority. If you only got one of those things done today, what would that be? Maybe it's call that important client. Maybe it's service this thing. Whatever it is, you make that number one. You say, well, great. If I got that done and I have time to do something else, what would that be? And that becomes your number two. I've watched people work through you know, a list of 20, 30 things. 
and whittle it down to four or five real priorities, and something really magical happens. Now they feel like, you know what, I think I'm going to probably get this done today. Hmm. And all the other stuff that was kind of terrorizing them, the moment they identified those priorities, it's easier to say no and put that stuff out. And it just takes like five minutes, but we're so busy, we don't stop to do it and acknowledge it. So that would be number one for me, is to bring a little priority to your life. It's really about taking you know, a step back to take two steps forward. But in most cases, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're too busy just to sit down and actually take a breath for a second and look at our list. And hey, listen, I'm just as guilty as the next person. I look at my so list I. and you know, <laughs> until I read this book, you know, I, I had such a huge list. And at the very end, I more or less narrowed them down to my high priority activities. And what is it that I have to do today that's going to make the biggest impact and drive the greatest result for me? And it was until I did that that I realized, and it just, it kind of was freeing. It was liberating. It was, you know, I don't really have to do all these things on my list today. And if I do these, you know, three things, I'm going to move forward. And if I do this consecutively, day after day after day after day, I'm going to be a lot more successful. That's exactly what happens. And it's it, it's funny that you say it because it seems so simple, but it's not. It's not. And you said the word simple, and that's, in, that's a very purposeful word that's in the subtitle of our book. It's a simple truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that Gary and I absolutely see eye to eye is we want our books to make a difference. And a lot of books you read, you're like, wow, that was so interesting. What do I do with it now? Mm-hmm. And it's a paradigm-shifting book. It makes you see the world differently, but it doesn't tell you what to do. And so one of the fundamental things, I mean, Gary said this a long time ago, people are attracted to complicated, but they can't live in it for very long. Nice. So I, I don't know that there's a lot new that we're presenting in the book. But we tried to present it in a way that people could take action. So just like that example, like everybody, a lot of people, not everyone has a to-do list. They don't really know how to use it to its best impact. So we put, took a philosophy and tried to apply it there. So we want to keep it simple because people can do simple and people can stick with simple. But if it's really complicated, it falls apart. And that's where it, we're attracted to it. We just can't do it. So. If I had to add one more thing, right, if they just got one thing, it would be identify your top priority every day and start with that. Two would be make it a habit. What you just said when you did your litany, like, and if I did that day after day after day, I think people overestimate generally what they can do in any given day and underestimate what they can do in their career. Mm. And if they just would line it up day after day, and it's probably one activity for me as a writer, I have to be reading and writing, right? I have to feed my mind with new information through interviews and stuff, and then I have to share that through writing. And if I do that day in and day out, some days are going to stink. I mean, I'm going to write horrible stuff, or I'm going to be landlocked in my own mind and not make much progress. But then there'll be other days where it just flows, and I've got something great to share. That's my one thing. Just like a sports person might have to train in the pool. Or they might have to, you know, go to the baseball diamond and take batting practice. Or an artist would play their violin. Mm. Everybody, every career art tends to have one activity that really stands out. Like in sales, we know it's, it's about making connections. Mm-hmm. Whether you do it by knocking on doors or picking up the phone or something else, figure out what that is and make it a habit. And so one of the funnier things in the book, like every book I'd read, a lot of teachers will tell you, you know, make your success a habit, right? Well, how do I do that? Well, most books said that it took 21 days to form a habit. And we dove into the research. We really tried to figure out, well, what is the truth here? And all of the books we were reading were referring to each other. 
but none of them were referring to original research. And we couldn't find it. We never found it, a reference to, in a study, that it takes 21 days to form a habit. Interesting. But we, we did find a group of um, researchers at the College of New London. They had asked about 200 students to take on a new health habit, anything they wanted, and then they followed them around for the better part of the year and just asked them two questions. Did you do it? Yes or no? And how hard was it? And what they did is they tracked the point where it became as automatic as it was going to become. And on average, that took 66 days. And so our aha, and they were very much saying that that point of automaticity was pretty much when it became a habit, that it's taking at least three times as long as most people think. Wow which is why so many people set out with a New Year's resolution, right, hmm. or whatever it is, and then it falls apart because I think they take their foot off the gas too early. So understand that it's a longer journey than most people think, but it's a worthwhile journey if you can take the things that make you really successful and turn them into something. Instead of you working for it, it works for you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Ain't it the truth? You know, I think that's probably one of the areas where – I think, you know, people maybe underestimate how much time it takes to actually get really good at something or to become an expert or to become proficient in something. And, um, you know, reference, you know, one of the uh, one of Seth Godin's books, The Dip, right, where he talks about, um, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a lot longer sometimes. And if it's worth that trouble, if it's worth going through the dip, if you see the gold at the end of the um, the the rainbow there, then it's worth it. But the problem is most people don't have the patience to go through things like that. And so that's why, you know, when I go to the gym this week, especially I've noticed it being a little bit quieter. And it's so funny. We're around that 20 day <laughs> mark, but you know what? It's, yeah. So really quickly, you said 66 or 56, 66 days. Yeah. And, and, and one word of caution, like, um, I mean, tongue in cheek here, but Ryan, what's the average temperature in America today? Oh, good question. Who cares? <laughs> right. I have to dress for Austin, Texas. <laughs> so like we have to be careful. Like averages are instructive. Like what we took away from that is on average, it takes about three times as long as most people think to form a habit. I tell people to focus on when it feels as easy as it's going to get. Like a lot of people um, in my world have been focusing on waking up earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear about on Tim Ferriss and all these things about the benefits, and I believe in them wholeheartedly about the control you get by waking up early. Well, if you've ever done that, there becomes a time that you start waking up before your alarm clock goes off. Well, boom. That's your signal. So you're looking for signals like that. You know, it's like when you go into the restaurant and you order the carrot sticks and hummus instead of the french fries. Well, congratulations. Maybe you've actually trained yourself to do this habitually, and you can now add the next habit. Just stay focused on it until it feels like it's really, truly easy. That would be the takeaway for me. 66 days is instructive, and it takes a lot longer than most people give it. And I'd rather know how long the race I'm running is, at least on average, when I start. So I'm not surprised when I get to mile 21 and find out I've got all those miles ahead of me. Do you have a habit that you put in place that, uh, you know, you realize you were able to achieve? Uh, Maybe something that's interesting that's helped you in business that, you know, the audience might want to hear about? Uh, Absolutely. I can tell you about my successes and failures. Nice. Um, Over the last, I guess it's been eight years that this book has been a part of my life. My wife and I um, started with a health habit. And we felt like that was a foundational thing at the time. Um, I weighed about 245 pounds. You can't see me, but I weigh 215 now. Nice. And I was destined to have back surgery. Like if I spoke publicly, I had to have a stool because I couldn't stand. 
and I couldn't really walk around the block without stopping. Mm. And I was, you know, athletic. I won't call myself an athlete, but I, I had a degenerative back problem. And so, you know, we lined up a series of dominoes, which is a metaphor from the book, and it began with me trying to lose weight and do things that didn't require surgery to kind of get myself back up. Well, there was a series of things we did. It started with portion control. I then started walking 10,000 steps a day, trying to be active outside the gym. Um, at the end of the day, I did have surgery, but we look up, and today, this is now six years now, we were trying to figure it out. We started getting up at um, 5 a.m. to have a trainer come to us because we decided we wanted to work out together. And this has been the most rewarding thing when we stumbled onto that. And I knew that if we went to the gym, we'd have to alternate because we had small kids. Mm -hmm. And so the only time we could find that we both could control and commit to was 5 a.m. The kids were still asleep, so we didn't have to worry about watching them. And we could be in the driveway or the backyard with a trainer. And so three times a week for, I guess, a little over six years, we've been doing that. And not only has it helped our health, she's an entrepreneur as well and has built a huge business. You know, that foundational habit of taking care of your body has led us to eat better. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have to get up at 5 in the morning, you go to sleep on time. Mm -hmm. there's, there's this halo effect around making a, one, a stand around something that you've truly decided to make important. And there's accountability built into it because if I sleep through the alarm, you know, our trainer, Chris Bratcher, he's not going to knock on the window, right? He's not, he got up early. He drove and <laughs> pulled his ass across town. He's going to wake our, us up and drag us out in the driveway and make us do burpees so we don't sleep late. Nice. But it, it just, you take one thing, and there was a series of things we tried before we settled on that. But it's also become like a form of maritabal, you know, marital therapy. Right? We're getting three hours a week where we're kind of doing something together. We're suffering together in the sense of working out. And it's really helped us on a lot of levels. So that's the success story. And I had a coworker, you know, was looking at my goal setting and all that stuff. And she's like, oh, you're just amazing. This is all easy for you. And I was like, no, it's not. I mean, it's as hard as for me. I mean, yes, Gary wrote the book and I co-authored the book. And we try to live up to the standards of the book. We fail as much as anyone. Mm -hmm. um, I tried for, I did 119 days of meditation last year. Wow. And I, I, like four days, I missed it, and I doubled down it twice as long the next day. And then the holidays show up, and what happened? I mean, I looked up, and it was like the 12th or 13th day of January, and I'd totally forgotten that I even had a habit to meditate. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'm just like, you know, I, I tried like three times before that time to make it stick because I keep reading about those benefits. And so, like, we all struggle, mm -hmm. and it's harder to try a second time or a third time. Or for me, this would be the fourth time wow. I'll try meditation. And I think for me it's about I'm picking the wrong window. I'm mm -hmm. doing it at the wrong time, and I keep experimenting with that. So, like, there's one success story, like, over six years of being really consistent with our physical health. And then this mental piece that we've tried to add to it man, I can't figure it out. And I'll just keep failing for it until I do. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point too, Jay. And I appreciate you, you sharing both the success and the failure because failure is just a part of life. And one thing that we always communicate here <laughs> yeah. on the podcast is that, you know, you don't learn unless you fail. And I mean, that just becomes, it becomes just our motto. It's a philosophy and you have to follow that. And, if you don't believe that, then, you know, you're going to have a really rough life. But whatever it is, you could be in the gym working out and, you know what, you're working out for three months in a row. Then all of a sudden you drop off for two weeks. Well, I'm sorry, you didn't fail. You know, you might have a habit. And if all of a sudden your mind, you're like, I got to get to the gym. 
that's still your habit in place. You might have fallen off the horse a little bit, but you're getting right back on because you know something's wrong. You know, even the fact that, you know, you you are cognizant of the fact that I still need to meditate. I still need to meditate. It's just I love that because you've built in that that habit. You might not be executing on it, but you're thinking about it. And at least you're still moving in that direction and you're exploring it. But I think the big lesson here for you that, that you're really sharing with everybody, too, is there's many ways, essentially, to skin a cat or, or, or to shear a sheep. And if you <laughs> skin a cat, I heard that. That's a nice, everybody, some people, I mean, I grew up in the South, so skinning a cat, <laughs> even though I've never heard of it being literally done, never like shocked me, but sheer a sheep. I'll remember that. Thank well, you. When I said skin a cat, I'm like, what is skinny? That sounds horrible. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I mean, where'd that come from? I have okay, no idea. So. Yeah, but anyways, it's, it's the whole point about it is that you will fall off, but there's always different ways to do it. So if you're trying to write a book, for example, you might be trying to write in the morning. Maybe the morning's not right for you. Maybe that's why you're having a difficulty. Maybe you're best writing in the evening. Maybe you're best writing in private. Maybe you're best writing in front of the television. I don't know what's right for you. But if you are passionate about something and you want to, you want to make it happen and you want to get there, make it a habit. But as if you fail, man, just reset. Try a different direction and, 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 and try a different approach. Well, can I I'll give you um... – I'll give you even one more little subtlety on that since you guys, you talk about failure and I want to commend you on that because so much of these podcasts is about beating people's, they're beating their chest and bragging. And that isn't very instructive. I think we learn more from our failures, like you said, and actually from other people's failures um, because it shows us all the ways that things can go. Um, one of the things that Gary tested me on, we have a system where, you know, goal setting to the now is in the book. Um, and if we want to unwind that, we can, but Basically, we have our long-term goals, and each week I've worked my way to, like, here's what i got to do this week. And I share that with them on a monthly basis. Here's what I'm going to get done this month. And I remember there was a period of time where there were a couple things on my, you know, my short list, my 20% items that weren't getting done. And he said, all right, what are you going to do to make this happen? All right, what you, it's now two months. What are you going to do to make this happen? <laughs> I remember him asking me the question. He goes, Jay, this is on here, and there's two things. Either you're not being accountable and we need to work on that, or it's actually not important, which is it? Mm. And I remember feeling such an immense feeling of relief because it wasn't important, but it was something I thought other people thought I would need to do. Interesting. And I just like, so I do think, um, and that's not a, a recipe for telling everybody to cop out of the hard stuff, but I do think sometimes we put things on the list, and if we're averting from it, there's two reasons. It could be because we're afraid of it and we need to face it. And sometimes it's just because it actually isn't important at all. And we need to step back. And, like, I had the help of a coach's eyes and one who I trust, a mentor and, a, you know, a partner, to look at that and say, you know, I'm not sure that matters. Is that why you're not doing it? And that was a relief. And so I think on rare occasions we need to push that button as well. I love that, Jay. Fantastic. Great, great point. So, Jay, on the last point here, so we have three takeaways from here. You know, we, okay. have, we, have, we have the first one here, you know, is that everything's not created equal. And we have the second one here about creating habits. What's your third takeaway from the book, man? Um, time block. Hmm. Um, if you know what you need to be doing, um, the number one way we found, a simple way to make sure it happens is to make an appointment with yourself to do it. Um, most people use their calendars for meetings with other people. But if you really looked in, under the hood at the most successful people out there, they're making appointments with themselves to do their most important work. Mm. And, you know, we have seen this, observed it, taught it. And it actually is not in the first printing of the book, but it's in, I think, the second printing. We found a study that supported it. And I'll just share 
just to kind of give you a sense of what it means to calendar, they asked three groups of people to exercise for 20 minutes a day. And the first people were the control group, and they just said, go do it. They had another group that was the motivation group, and they were given a pamphlet on how exercising vigorously for 20 minutes a day would help their heart and their attitude and their happiness, right? All the, the real science. And then there was the intention group. They were given that same pamphlet to control for motivation, but they had to do one actual thing. They had to write a statement that says, on this day, at this time, in this place, I will exercise for 20 minutes. Hmm. And you put the time, the place, and the activity, and that's a commitment. That's actually a calendar invite. And if you looked at the first two groups, they were 35 to 38% likely to accomplish their goal. The third group, who just had the intention statement, or in my mind, a calendar appointment, they were 90% likely to achieve their goal. So it's a 3x. And so that simple act, and I've seen it play out. I'll have a, a team member say, oh, I want to do that for you, like you have the new exercise. Hey, we have to do this. Who wants to take this on? And you know that they're already just chalked to the gills with work. You know, the question I started asking is, awesome, I love that you want to do that. When will you do it? Mm. And every now and then you'll see that look on their face like, oh, gosh, I don't have any time. So navigating the commitment of time allows us often to do it. And so that's kind of, I mean, time blocking is what we call it, making regular blocks of time for you to do those important tasks, that becomes the, the essential activity. I do it every week at the beginning of the week. At the beginning of the year, Gary and I map out, we try to map out all of our writing days for the year. Hmm. Um, we have 184 that I'm trying to commit to for this year. And there'll be days we miss, like kids get sick. We know that. But if we miss a day, guess what? I'm going to steal it back from someone else. Mm-hmm. Because we felt like, and this is a weird number, but we kind of felt like, 184 days, that's with all of our vacations and business meetings kind of that were going to happen, getting this out of the way, we felt like we could make real progress towards our writing goals with that many writing blocks. And so we've been doing this a long time, but people should just look at their week. Hey, I've got to write a paper for this class, or I've got to make progress on my dissertation or whatever. Well, when am I going to do that this week? And put it on paper, preferably in the morning time, and I think that they're going to see the results go through the roof. Oh, completely agree. It's it's almost essentially becoming the project manager of your own life is what it sounds yeah. like. You are yeah. managing your own time, man. That's what it comes down to. And it's so funny that we manage our time appropriately when we have different meetings and we look at our calendar to have what kind of meetings it is. But then we look at our to-do list and our to-do list just sits on a piece of paper and it's not on our calendar. Why is that? Why is that? You know, it just it's it's so funny. But it's that by itself um, – I can see that being a big game changer for a lot of people and for a lot of managers managing people, you know, your employees, if they're having difficulties with time management. I love this whole idea of time blocking um, your, and, your, your and just don't time. And, I, I, and I'm nodding my head. You're, you know, you're preaching to the choir. I, and I believe it's essential. Just don't allow people to block up their entire days. Mm. And I think that it's only important to figure out what are the two or three things that really matter, even just the one thing and make sure that always gets first priority on the calendar. If people do that, if they keep it simple, they'll be able to keep doing it. And then there's this halo effect. Um, We took, I don't know, 800 students through an online training program around time blocking last year. And the the thing that I saw happening is around week four or five of the 10-week program, there started to be this halo effect. I mean, some people were only committing to like five minutes a day. I mean, it was the smallest possible commitment, but we wanted them to experience success. And they started reporting that all these other things were starting to come together for them. 
And the only metaphor I could make, it's like, you know, taking the beach at Normandy, you establish a beachhead on your calendar, and all of a sudden you can control it, and then you can slowly and methodically invade the rest. But you have to establish this place that you really control, and then that confidence allows you to start branching out. So start really small, keep it simple, and that seems to be the, the secret to that recipe. I love that, Jay. I love that. Uh, that's Jay Papasan for The One Thing, the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Now, Jay, before I let you go here, you know, you're always reading, you're always researching, you're always writing. What's top of mind with you right now? What's going on and, and what, what's hot? What, what's your next project? What are you working on? Um, actually, our biggest challenge right now is rewriting our first book. Um, it, was, it shocked me as someone who had been in publishing. It's a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, a million copy bestseller. But it's 12 years old, and we have to update it. So that's our current number one project. Um, I would say this. Um, if you look at the, the bigger picture, like my partner Jeff launched the One Thing podcast, hmm. and we're trying to, trying to take this book, like you're helping us too, and say, how can we make this message um, convert to more and more people. Not everybody wants to read a book. I get it. Mm -hmm. So we're experimenting and we're trying to reach. So that's been my, my one thing for the last three and a half years. I'm just now starting to transition to the next book. I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. So is that podcast up and live yet or? It is. It actually just came out at the very beginning of the year. Fantastic. So everybody definitely go over there. Is it just called The One Thing? It's called The One Thing. Perfect. So what I'll do is I'll actually take that and I'll put that in the show notes and uh, do a little bit of cross promo here. We'll help each other out. I think that's awesome. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Know, you. You betcha. Well, Jay, you know what? At the very top of the uh, episode, you know, you said you and Gary, you know, you guys are all about making a difference. And uh, I really hope that uh, those who are listening today are able to take some of the little tidbits, the golden nuggets that you shared with them to uh, essentially help them make a difference in their life and in their businesses. So, Jay, thank you so much for coming on Cut the Crap Podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. There we have it. Jay Papazan. Really enjoyed talking to the man. Very intelligent, very charismatic. The man knows his stuff. Got to get him back on the show at some point. He's got uh, a lot more to talk about, I'm sure. But uh, this is a good start. This is a good start for him. But um, no, definitely give his podcast a listen. I subscribe to the podcast as well. If you have time, then definitely make time for the One Thing podcast. Let's give him a nice little plug there for uh, supporting my show. I want to do the same and support him as well. If you enjoyed the interview, if you enjoyed my synopsis of it, then please go on iTunes, rate, and review the show. They mean a great deal to me, and I know it would mean a great deal to Jay as well. All right, my friends, that is a wrap. So I will catch you guys back here next week when I have a brand new business book, brand new Golden Nuggets, and of course, the interviews on Wednesday. But until then, my friends, I hope you guys have a fantastic week, a productive week, and I'll catch you back here soon. Take it easy. I love you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah.